What is up, everybody? Welcome to Wednesday edition of Texas All Access, a game day eve edition of Texas mm. All Access. Mark, we don't get many of these, do we? Johnny, we don't get many of these at all because if it's Friday, we're not doing a show on Saturday, and usually right. you play on Sunday. And if right. it's Sunday or a Monday night game, we're not doing a show on Sunday. But it's game day eve. It's yeah. Thursday night. That Thursday means night games. tomorrow's that Sunday. Today would be Saturday. Never mind. Oh, gosh. Don't go I'm not going to get into that right now. But I like this one. You know this. I know you do. I, I you like do. the fourth one. Yeah. There are a lot of things that I like, too, and we're going to get to a lot of that on the show today. That voice you hear is Mark Vandermeer. I am John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. We're going to have general manager of Lone Star Sports and Entertainment, David Fletcher, coming by to talk about events coming up. In fact, one this weekend that I absolutely love, and it has something to do with football and it has nothing to do with football all at the same time. You have to stick around to see what that's about. And then Drew Doherty is going to stop by as the In the Lab crew. Drew and myself, Mm -hmm. decided to, well, Saturday wasn't very pretty from a Dallas Cowboys preseason game perspective, but there are some things that we're not freaking out about, and we'll have that for you later in the show. We're not freaking out. We're not freaking out? That's the category. Okay. Well, it's preseason game. Yeah, we're not freaking out. Look, when we get to my memories of game four. We will. But I'll tell you another reason why you shouldn't freak out. Go ahead. Well. I know. I, I don't want to freak out about anything. And I know a guy that definitely does not freak out about anything in the preseason. It's head coach Bill O'Brien, and you, Mark, caught up with him earlier today. Coach, final preseason game, and you've talked about the way you divide the team for this week because you're getting certain players ready for the Saints and then ready for this game against the Rams. So how difficult is that as a staff and as a squad? Yeah, you know, there's definitely some tough things to put together there just from a logistical standpoint, right? So I think we have a good group of guys. So guys realize, you know, hey, I have to play well in the Rams game, so I'm going to play in the Rams game, and I'm going to do my best to – to play well because I'm playing for the Texans and I'm playing for the other 31 teams that are watching this game. And then I think the guys that aren't playing in the Rams game, for the most part, those guys are on our team and those guys, uh, uh, you know, are, are starting to get ready for the Saints in a way, not too much, you know, they're doing lifting and conditioning and then they're running some scout team stuff for us relative to the Rams. So, you know, there's a lot of logistical things that have to get done, but everybody's done a good job this week and it's been fun. I know all phases are important, but is it safe to say special teams is even more important in this game because of what's on the line for some of these players, whether it's here or elsewhere? Yeah, I think that special teams is very important. I think that if you're a guy that can go down there and make a bunch of plays on special teams, I mean, we've had a number of guys that are that are going to play in this game that have really showed up well on special teams, and if they continue to do it, they're going to make the decision even harder relative to the roster management. So. You know, I think special teams will be very important. How tough is it to call plays on either side of the ball in a game like this? You know, I don't know. I think it, I think it, it. I mean, I think it's actually easier. I mean, I think that um, you know, there's a huge difference between preseason and regular season, and I think that uh, you know, I don't think it's ever easy to call plays, but I think it's easier than the regular season. You, you know, you're not going to be doing a bunch of different things. It's not really a scheme fest type game. It's more of a you know straight scheme game, and I think it'll be uh, it'll be be a fun game. I know some of the personnel might change, but how important is it to bounce back after what happened last week? Yeah, we need to play better. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we we've got to play better. We didn't uh, we didn't start the game well, and uh, we turned the ball over too much, and it was you know it wasn't a good night. But uh, we need we need to go out there and play much better. No doubt about it. 
Well, you talked about some of the organizational things and dividing the team, but what, what about the week as a whole, Coach? Because after this one, everybody gets to work in a completely different way as you get ready for New Orleans. So it's a super busy week for you overall. Yeah, it becomes a really busy week. You know, after the game, you got to start thinking about, um, you know, how you're going to begin to chip away to get to the 53. And then obviously Friday, spend a lot of time doing that. And then you're going to meet with the team on Friday. But even at that meeting, you, you might not be all the way down to the 53 because – you have till Saturday, I think, at three o'clock to get down. So uh, it's a it's a busy weekend, and hopefully, you know, obviously by Saturday afternoon, we'll know who our who our team is here for the early part of the season. But you know, like I tell the players, just because you made the initial fifty three, I mean, you got to keep earning your stripes here every day, you know. And so uh, it's an exciting time, but it's, there's a lot of work involved. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. Thank you, Vinny. All right, Mark. For game day eve, mm-hmm. give me a read on Coach O'Brien. Relaxed, ready. Oh, I think he's – uh, Look, this is a – as you heard in the interview, this is a very complex week for any NFL yeah. organization it because is. you're getting two teams ready to play different situations, and there's overlap with those teams because obviously if some guys play tomorrow night, we're going to be part of things against New Orleans – New Orleans, uh, and you have some guys who aren't, and they got to get ready for New Orleans. So you definitely have a, a weird situation this week, getting your football team ready with a game smack dab in the middle of it. Yeah. And then I think for coaches, I remember Dom Capers, the very first year of franchise history, talked about Labor Day weekend and how to handle that and get the guys off their feet and everything. And I'm sure I'm not sure what the break is right. for O'Brien's Texans. This week, this year, but they're going to get some kind of break. Yeah. You know, not a long break, but a day or two off their feet in order to sort of recharge, regen. Thank you, as they call it. Yes, that's my new word because it's theirs, and <laughs> uh, they'll get ready. And I like it that they have an extra day. We talked about this when camp started. Yeah. You know, they started camp on a Thursday because you play your game on a Thursday. That meant you get a couple of extra days of training camp, and you get a, an extra day to get ready for your opener against New Orleans. And I. Here's the other thing, 6 o'clock kick. That means you're home early, midnight, 1 o'clock, relatively early from a road game. That's not too bad. And that puts you right in line for your short week to get ready for your home opener against Jacksonville. So, look, I'd rather not face Drew Brees. I wish it was Bobby Hebert playing the way he is now instead of Drew Brees. But you got Drew Brees opening day. But I think it's a good way under the circumstances to get get ready for him. You will have from... August 24th, that was Saturday. Yeah. Uh, math correct? So you have a week to the 31st, then you got nine days. So you have 16 days. Right. And really. For the starters. You're, you're most starters, of the guys. You're bona fides, as I call them. They, mm-hmm. they played three to five plays. So you should be as. Th- those guys should be as fresh as humanly possible. That's a good point. Heading into that game. Having two weeks plus off. Before you play that game Monday night. Well, now, then you got to figure out, like, how much hitting do you do and right. how much do you, how do you really stay sharp? Yeah, how do you stay sharp? I mean, they look, they talk about this all the time. This is what they do. Right. So we'll see how they handle that. Or maybe we won't see it, but they'll do it. Well, the Saints have got to deal with it, too. Yeah. So, and, and every team's got to deal with yep. it. How do you keep guys, you know, I see it all. I, 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 you can just go through social media and you see, hey, is Nick Bosa going to be ready to go for the 49ers <laughs> in week one? Is this yeah. guy going to be ready to go for week one? But we got week four of the preseason to get through. Yep. And I that's a that's a game I know you get you get really excited about. I get excited about it because I get to go up in the booth with you. Oh, that's right. But uh but you like game four of the preseason. I do. Johnny, I did a piece for we have this thing called the Daily Brew, yep. which is your afternoon tea, uh, by Red Diamond, right? Yes, Red Diamond. C- comes out every afternoon. 
and it's a little written piece, whatever it might be. It's it's something different every day, but it's your afternoon tea and crumpets. And what's a crumpet anyway? A cookie? I think it's a kind of weird version of an English muffin. Oh, really? I'd rather have a cookie. Well, I need yeah, some sugar. Everybody would like a cookie. Anyway, so <laughs> so my piece today was game four of the preseason. Who would do a piece on memories of game four <laughs> of the preseason? <laughs> Me. That's who I would do it. And, Johnny, as I did, so, I, I already knew where I was going. Yeah. But you, you know how you do the research to confirm a few sure, things and, and just refresh your memory on a few things? I started off in 2013, Case Keenum. Because yeah. Case Keenum got the start in that game, right? And Case Keenum eventually started eight games that season, and we didn't think that was going to happen. Right. He started eight games that season, and he's going to start next week for Washington. Don't tell Case Keenum that game four isn't important. All right? So that's going to be the fourth team in four years that he starts for week one. Rams, Vikings, Broncos, Redskins. How about that? That is awesome. Yeah. I, Good for I him. I mean, that's amazing. But you're right. That was, that was, I, remember, I remember that one against the Cowboys because I remember thinking – because they just drum, just drum the Cowboys. They Sierra Wood ran for over a hundred yards. I mean, it was brutal. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, this team's. And look, it was not guys you're going to see during the year, but I just kind of felt like that was symbolic of where this team was. Like, ah, oh, 2013, here we go. And dude, 2013 went yep. sideways. Yep, it did. It did. Way. So you never know. Uh, you want to talk about uh, current performance is not an indicator of future performance, or whatever they say in the financial world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, preseason game four is certainly indicative of that. Totally. I'll give you another one, all right? 2009, backup right. quarterback job up for grabs. Dan Orlovsky starts at Tampa Bay, throws a pick. Rex Grossman comes in and is suddenly chucking the ball around, throws yeah. two touchdown passes, and steals the backup quarterback job from Dan Orlovsky, who's doing a great job on ESPN, by the way. He is, yeah. We like Dan. But that day, it was Rex Grossman's job to have and to get, and he did. And that was a, a game four story mm-hmm. that, and again, you, you, look, these aren't earth-shattering Super Bowl-type stories, but they're interesting. Uh, I'll give you another one. You don't think starters play in game four? Well, they have for this franchise because in 2002 they did. Well, yeah. All right, That was the inaugural season. David Carr playing well into the second quarter in that one. In game four? That was actually game five because they played oh, the yeah. Hall of Fame yeah, yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, yeah, yeah, it was game four. That was the final preseason game. Wow. And Carr got hurt. Bruised knee, had to leave the game. This is 2002. Everyone oh. forgets this. Everyone forgets this. Oh, my gosh, you played him and he got hurt. But he was available for September 8th, 2002, as the Texans beat the Cowboys and made history. Everyone forgets what happened in the final preseason game that year. Oh, wow. You see, you pull back the curtain, you get a few extra things here. Well, I'll give you another one. I'll give, I'll give you one. All right, go I'll ahead. I'll give you one that I remember. All right. 2015, mm-hmm. Dallas, Hard Knocks year. Oh, gosh. Yes. Tom Savage gets hurt in the second half. That was big. And how does that? That was a history changer. Absolutely. Because he was IR'd. Right. He was IR'd in 2015. So in 2015, when you got Hoyer Mallet, Hoyer Mallet, and then Yates. And then Yates has got to come in because and Whedon. he couldn't bring back Savage. So right. He bring back in Whedon. So the injury to Savage, when things are going south for Mallet and for Hoyer, he, he would have played. Have op- you didn't get the opportunity to go to Tom Savage. Yeah. And I kind of felt like if you'd gone to Tom then, that maybe you would have found out. Either he could play and he's your guy, or you would have found out, no, it's it's just not there. You would have known sooner. Johnny, Savage is your 2017 starter, right, even though you drafted right. Watson. 
in 15, if he doesn't get hurt in preseason game four, you're right. You know. You find something you know, Maybe things turn out differently for him if he plays that year. Right. I don't know. But maybe you know that he's not your guy after all, yeah. and you make a move earlier, and it changes the course of Texans history. It's really interesting how that injury played out. Yeah, exactly. A lot of Savage's injuries because he got hurt at the end of 2014. He got I mean, So we don't have to go the through Tennessee the whole thing. game. The he got sneak. Yep. He got the concussion in 2016. He would have started the playoff game. Poor guy. Quarterback sneak concussion. Yeah. We'll talk to Matt Schaub about a quarterback sneak, Liz Franck. We've got to be the only team in the history of the NFL to lose quarterbacks on quarterback sneaks. Two of them. Would be. Well, I, mean, I can't call Savage a franchise quarterback, no. but Schaub certainly was. Uh, but but it ruined Savage's chance to start a playoff game. Yeah. So how about that? Playoff starts ruined because okay. Schaub would have started the playoffs so, in 2011. So I'll ask you this. Yeah. Just if Tom Savage is healthy going to, two in, to New England at a divisional playoff round, mm-hmm. down 24-16 in the fourth quarter as we were with the ball at the 10-yard line. First of all, he doesn't throw a pick right away yeah. as you know who did. What are your chances of pulling that out if Tom, in that same situation, has the ball? First of all, I think you at New England. It, at New England, in that uh, not same very situation. good. <laughs> not very good, Johnny. I wanted you're to, at New England I in the know, playoffs in the second half. It's January. I don't I think know. so. Yeah, you know, maybe it's better. Who knows? I'd love to see it. I'd love to go back there and I'd check it out. I'd love to go out. back and do it. Well, I'd like. I'd love to go back and do it with number four. Mm-hmm. But oh well, that's a now. Now we're talking. Okay, now it's a whole. Now different, it's a now different, it's a whole deal. different ball game. I'll give you. Let me give you another one here. Starters playing in the fourth preseason game, 2005. The Texans' offense struggling mightily, so they decide to start them at Tampa Bay in the fourth preseason game. David Carr and company. Carr throws two picks in the first quarter, and they lift them, and they go on to go two and fourteen. Now that. That was an indicator of future performance. It's too bad because the offense really didn't get going at all. And then Chris Palmer was fired after two games. So that was an interesting development. You start your starters in game four. They don't do the job at all. That's the man. I've thought about that. I want to say that Belichick played his starters at one point in a preseason game because he was it's happened. It's it's probably happened. And he I don't think he left him in there that long. But I I remember Belichick playing his starters. I want to say it was Brady. I, I don't know. But he played him on into the uh, in that preseason game number four, and it was like, huh, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, he just did what? Now Taylor Luan has been playing into the the back end of games because he's going to be suspended. So they've been playing oh. Dennis Kelly over left tackle, and then Luan has been playing later in games. I don't know what he'll do in week four. I would imagine he'll want to play, yeah. considering he's out for the first four games. Right. Then the break doesn't seem as long. You can come back a little more in football shape. Maybe I guess so. that's the thinking. I in guess. rhythm, whatever. I guess I don't know, but those twos and threes aren't going to do much against Taylor Luan. I don't know how much. I don't know how much work he's actually getting. Yeah, going against twos and threes, guys that won't he, he won't face in games. But it's but, the it's the exercise of playing in a game and being out there. But if and, you had a guy that was suspended for four weeks, mm-hmm. would you play him in week four? I think I would. I, I think I would play him. Gonna be a while you still, thinking. you know, you still risk injury, but you're like, eh, you if do. it's a little tweak, if it's something, something minor, easy that he for can me be to out say. Four weeks, four. Yeah, <laughs> fine. We get it back in four weeks. Jeez. <laughs> Mark, Battle of the Bands is this weekend mm-hmm. here in Houston. It's one of the events I'm so excited about. So coming up next, David Fletcher right here on Texans All Access. How you feel about that? I feel very good about that. Is Florida A&M coming? Absolutely. The Rattlers, and that's next right here on Texans All Access.
Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. And we're going to continue to talk football. Not Texans football, but college football. Oh, man. Just put it right straight in the vein, baby. College football is back. And joining me right now is my good friend from Lone Star Sports Entertainment. We have got a tremendous week coming up starting September 13th, then the 14th, then the 15th. Fletch. David Fletcher, you have called it the greatest weekend in the history of Houston football. You still believe that? Oh, are you kidding me? How could <laughs> you not? I mean, we got a pretty good, pretty big one this weekend with yeah. with week one. Right. The college football Christmas tree opens up, and all the fun packages are yeah. are, are opened up as we uh, as we kind of launch. We had that soft launch last week, right? But we truly launched the college football season, and and you know for us. We're usually part of week one. Right, I know. know? And I wanted to ask you about that. First of all, let's go back to week zero a little bit. (laughs) Week zero is kind (laughs) of bizarre. The games ended up being compelling. It was sloppy at certain times, but it did feel good to have college football back. Like Things were sort of right in the world. I hated it because we had a game going on. I know. I I had to go watch them on on DVR at that point. But do you think the week zero thing will stick? You know, I think you look at, as with most of this, it's driven by – Viewer interest, by right. fan interest. College football TV rating was pretty good. Ratings were huge. Yeah. Biggest college football game in years uh, on that on that Miami Florida game, and you had a really good one with uh, the late night crowd, Hawaii and Arizona too. So, you know, I, I think it's something that um, you know, as one of the markets and one of the um, organizations that's really embraced the uh, the early season games um, uh, very early on, like we yeah. did. You know, we, we, we know how great it is for college football. We know how great it is for the season. We know how great it is for the teams. You know, when you look at the, the era that the college football playoff has created where it's okay to play a good team early and lose, right. um, those kind of matchups are just continuing to, to spread throughout um, the, the pre-conference schedule. And that's a great thing for college yep. football fans. a great thing for everybody. So we'll see how it plays out. I know the football didn't necessarily look, as you said, right. uh, wasn't as, always as, pretty. wasn't always pretty, but I, I think it's a really good thing for um, for the fans, and I think it's a great thing for the sport. So we'll see how it plays out. Most every year we have played the Every Year Texas kickoff week one. It's always been in week one. We've gotten in a habit of week one, and it's the, always that that Saturday. So Thursday we play the preseason game. Friday you start seeing some of the cuts and everything. Saturday you kind of get to what the 53-man roster is going to be on the Texans side. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, we got this great college football game going on. But we don't have it week one this year. Do you, I don't want to say does it feel empty, does it feel weird. I, got, I imagine it feels weird. How do you feel about not having the game in week one and then having it in week three? Well, if you're not going to have it in week one, you better make a splash in week three. And that's True. exactly what we're doing this year. Two huge college football games, a Friday night, a Saturday night, and then Texans home opener on Sunday. So um, we're incredibly excited about this biggest football weekend ever in Houston uh, coming up in a few weeks. It is a little different you know, to not have a game this weekend, but – Let's not forget, we're, there is a championship that's going to be, be crowned this weekend here in Houston, right here at NRG Stadium. We're a part of the Cracker Barrel National Battle of Bands, oh, which is going to be Fletch. going on on Sunday night, um, which is going to be awesome. I could, so awesome. I could hug you for this. <laughs> I could hug you. I don't, I don't, I, I've made this known on my radio shows over the years. I am one of the biggest. Now, do you know all the bands that are going to be here? Well, there's eight great bands, most importantly featuring Prairie View, A&M, and TSU. That's that's what matters. So. And I'm telling you, I – so this this goes back, and you'll appreciate this, but my my quarterback, I had I had two quarterbacks that played for me, one at junior high who now is like one of the five people that 
you know, determines the schedule for the NFL. Uh, and then I had two in high school. And so my last year, I had a young man named Albert Chester. And Albert played for me as a sophomore. And then he ended up going on to FAMU, where his um, – Who will be here where, this weekend? Where his the, – the, the Rattler band is nice. So we uh, – so I went to go – they played at NCAA and T. I was living in North Carolina. It was his redshirt senior year and, or junior year. So they're at NCAA and T. I'm living like 30 minutes away. I was like, I got to go see this. So I go to see it, and I'm talking to him, and he said homecoming for them was the week before. And he said somehow, he goes, he doesn't know how, but he says somehow homecoming lasted 45 minutes at halftime. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. So I had never been to an HBCU game before. Now, I've heard old stories. I've watched it on TV. Fletch, we got near halftime. FAMU was ahead, and I was just going to go down because they had Bojangles chicken down at the at the NCAA concession stand. So I'm going to go get some chicken. And as I start to go down the stairs, I realize something's weird. Nobody's going with me. Like, nobody's moving. There's nobody getting out of a seat. And I turned around, and I was like, what the heck? Well, the NCAA band. Now, the FAMU band didn't make it, but the NCAA band was coming out of the field. And I'm on the FAMU side. Fletch, nobody moved. It's the show. It's the show. They played when they were done. The fans then all took off of the concession stand and came back, and they were maybe back by five to six minutes into the third quarter. They all got back in their seats, but they did not move. This is a heck of an event coming Sunday. It's awesome, you know, and and, and a very affordable family event too. Twenty dollar tickets. I mean, you can come in and see eight of the best bands in the country battling it out here for a national championship. So we'll we'll, we'll certainly be missing a little bit of college football, but yeah. we'll have a big we'll have a big show here, no doubt. And then we'll get back to the biggest fo- football yeah. weekend ever here in a couple weeks. Yeah, that's that's going to be fantastic. Washington State, Houston on Friday night. Then you've got Texas and Rice on Saturday, and obviously the Texans game, which we'll talk plenty about as we get close to that. But the biggest challenge you have, Fletch of having game, 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 three straight days. And not only that, the Texas-Rice game is taking place in the evening, and then you've got a noon kick against the Jags. What's the biggest challenge you have in putting three games on over a three-day span? Sleeping. <laughs> Good point. No, great you know, point. We've got a great operations team here, and it will be a total team effort to make it happen. But, um, you know, just such a unique opportunity to really have – uh, that kind of stage for three major games is something we're going to embrace. We're, we're really excited to have such a hometown feel to all those games. Yeah. You know, U of H uh, coming in and, and playing against a, a great Washington State team. It's going to be ranked in the top 25, likely coming off of two wins to start the year. Yeah. Uh, Mike Leach coming back to Texas. Always <laughs> a lot of fun when Leach and his protege, Mr. Holgerson, yep. um, you know, on the other side of the field with U of H. So that'll be a lot of fun. Texas and Rice, you know, it's, it's – uh, um, such a great old Southwest Conference rivalry. I know the Longhorns have uh, had a lot of success um, over the years playing Rice, but it, it's it's still a Texas battle nonetheless. Right. Um, Longhorns are going to be coming in off of a, a big, big game against LSU the week before. So, and, and Rice will have no slouches. They open up with um, with Army and oh, is it Wake Forest. Yeah, so they're uh, they're coming in uh, going to be battle tested as well. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. Great opportunity to come and see the best of college football over the course of um, either of those games. And, um, you know, I know we're going to have a full house out here on Sunday for yeah. the Texans home opener against the Jags, but uh, expect the big crowds for both of those games as well. Yeah, that's I can't I can't wait. How uh, lucky's not the word, but 
when you got the Washington State University Houston matchup, and I'm trying to think timing wise, I don't believe that Dana had taken the U of H job yet. Not that I'm not that I'm aware of. But in some sense, getting Holgerson v. Leach as a coaching matchup here at Energy Stadium, it, it's almost like finding $20 in your pocket, is it not? It's, it's great. I mean, the, the history those two have as friends, as coaches, as mentor, mentee, um, it'll be a lot of fun to see what those two offensive geniuses put together on the field. We know it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm just hoping it ends before the Rice-UT game starts the next That's day. That's the point. You know, we might have a little challenge with that because there'll yeah. be a lot of points put on the board. Um, but you know what? I mean, Dana's, Dana's not focused on that right now. He's focused on a big one this Sunday up yep. in uh, Norman against Oklahoma. Huge. Huge game. He told me something really interesting. And he's, he has changed his, he's changed his practice schedule around. Because every, I'm trying to think, I think for the first seven weeks, six or seven weeks, they play at night. Every game's yeah, at night. that's true. And he said, we've changed our training regimen. He said, we're doing everything. We're practicing at night to get the guys used to, you know, used to thinking in that way. So they're going to be, they're going to be ready. Now, coming off, a universe, coming off a game in Norman against Oklahoma. Now, a couple of years ago, when they played Oklahoma here, that was one of the more, that was one of the more scintillating games of the entire year and one of the better wins for Tom Herman getting that win for the University of Houston over Oklahoma that day. We'll see what happens in week one. But the Washington State-Houston matchup, getting those two here, I would say, okay, if you would have told me week one you get Washington State-Houston, but week three you get Washington State-Houston and you'll get Holgerson-Leach, I would have I picked week three to get those two out there against one another to see what they could do. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great event for, for our community. The whole weekend will be. Um, they both have to play this weekend, and it's a big weekend, Johnny, at college yeah. football. I mean, you, again, opening weekend, you got a ton of really fun rivalries, regional games. But, um, you know, come week three, we're ready to hit the ground running and um, part of a big doubleheader on ESPN that night, the night game, uh, 8-15 kick out at NRG. So, you know the tailgating is going to be a big-time part of it. Huge. Um, you know, we got Jack Ingram uh, launching our Carbock Text Fest uh, uh, with some great live music out here that evening. So it's going to be a huge weekend, um, and uh, we're just excited college football's back because, you know, it, not too far into the future, we're going to be having the Academy Sports and Outdoors it, Texas Bowl to finish up the year, which will once, be a lot of fun too. Once week one gets here, it just flies by. It seems like it flies by. So let's recap. Sunday night, Battle of Bands, how to get tickets. Uh, Ticketmaster.com, uh, or you can come up here to the NRG Stadium box office. Again, $20, great opportunity to see the best of the bands out there uh, compete for a national championship. And then um, Advocare Texas kickoff, UT Rice, Texans, Jags, biggest weekend ever. You can still register for your chance today. This is the last day to register to win a VIP experience to see all three games. HoustonTexans.com slash biggest weekend. And if you want tickets and you don't win them there, LSSE.net for all the information on all the games. There you go, Fletch. It's going to be amazing this weekend with Battle of the Bands, an incredible football weekend. And I, I'm going to hit all three. I've, I've got to. I've got to. If you put football at Energy Stadium, it's like a moth to a flame. I have to go. <laughs> I have to go. In fact, I probably have to work all That's of them. That's what makes so you I'm, the best, I'm Johnny. cool with that. Fletch, appreciate it, brother. Thanks. Coming up next, your In the Lab crew gives you some things to feel good about after a rough last Saturday. We'll have it for you next right here in Texas Access. On third down and three from the Redskins 20. Smith gets the snap, scrambling forward, and gets out of trouble. Throws it last moment. This is intercepted. Brennan Scarlett to his right across the 30. The 25 and tripped up at the 23. 
the Texans D back-to-back series with interceptions. That was last year against the Washington Redskins. Brennan Scarlett came up with a pick playing inside linebacker. And I bring up Brennan Scarlett because news today that he signed a one-year extension to stay with the team through 2020, and that is tremendous news. Tremendous news. So uh, something good to hang your hat on on this Wednesday afternoon with all that's going on uh, the last few weeks of training camp and everything that's gone with it. Brennan Scarlett, one more year, signs him through 2020. Love having a guy. And I was on with Rick and uh, Clint earlier, and I-, I love the signing, and I said why. I think, yes, you've got to have stars in the NFL. There's no question. You've got to have the J.J. Watts of the world and DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson. You've got to have those players. But you better have the guys that could do anything for your team, guys like Brent Scarlett, Dylan Cole. Those guys will do anything for the team, and they're so key to this team in so many different ways. So glad to see Brendan sticking around until 2021. There you go. Good news of the day. All right. The In the Lab crew, Drew Doherty and myself, tough Saturday. Last Saturday against the Dallas Cowboys. I know a lot of people were kind of feeling their oats and like, oh, man. But there's plenty to feel good about. And we discussed that. But first, we discussed a phrase that I heard when I was a little kid. It's more fun when we kind of fart around because this is a. Uh... <laughs> I like that term. My dad used to use that term a lot. And I didn't, I didn't kind of get it when I was younger. He'd always say, hey, quit farting around. I was like, what? Makes uh, okay. all the sense in the world. So yeah, Your dad knows. It was good to meet your dad, by the way, in Green Bay. That was yeah. fun. Met both your parents. And, that was uh, that was really cool, man. They, they really appreciate all the, all the things that they've read of yours yeah. and seen you and heard you. And, and uh, you know, they met, they met Mark. And it was really cool. Mark actually told my parents that uh, they were glad that, they, uh, they, uh, that I was born. So uh, that was a little awkward. Glad he was born. Yeah. Glad he was born. <laughs> and, of course, you know, my my mom was like well okay yes thank you so yeah it was it was fantastic for them i mean they they had enjoyed me they they just loved meeting everybody i mean they had been here they've been here for so long and then decided before my first uh full-time you know my first year i was not full-time employee right I, mean, I was full-time but it wasn't full-time so it wasn't until 15 and they left in march of 15 to go back to wisconsin so it was uh, it was really cool. It was cool for them to see JJ up close, and you know they've loved JJ for a long time just because they're from Wisconsin, and so that was really exciting for them to watch him in practice and see him up close. It was cool. You know, you bring that up. Okay, here's the table of contents. We're going to talk about an interesting interview I did yesterday. Yes, we're going to each give a reason for optimism despite what we saw Saturday night. But before that, I want to talk about something you just mentioned. I think you and I, and most of the people around here. We don't mean to, but we kind of, I don't want to say take for granted, and I don't want to say we don't appreciate it, but it was something special for a lot of those people up in Wisconsin to get to see J.J. Watt up close. You know, we've seen him up close. We see him up close three, four times a week in practice and at the games. I I don't know about you, but a lot of times I'll just kind of focus on what he's doing in a game because he's so exciting and interesting to watch. He is, yeah. But – that is something pretty special, like you just mentioning that, that your parents got to see that. I mean, we saw so many 99 jerseys. We see them all over the all over I the know. country when we travel, but especially so up there. And, you know, he's a, a favorite son of theirs. It was really cool to see that and see people get to see him right. up close because you forget, I mean, it, it, it can be expensive to come to an NFL game. Yep. And you get to go to practice. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit cheaper, and and you get to see them up close in a different environment. I think that was really cool. And I know JJ appreciated that and appreciates that. And yep. he has 
he he understands what's going on, and I I know it was special to him. So that was kind of cool. You know, I I thought about this before we left, and I I don't know that Bill O'Brien went out of his way to do this, but you know, Dean Smith, a longtime basketball coach at the University of North Carolina, he you know, back in the day, players didn't they usually spent three or four years in college basketball. They didn't jump to the NBA after a year or even after two years, and that's kind of become more the norm now. But Dean used to reward his his elders, his seniors in particular. He would schedule a game. He would try and schedule a game in that player's hometown. That's awesome. As best he possibly could. And so he would try and find a game. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of players came from North Carolina, but they would still schedule games. You know, they might schedule one down in Wilmington, you know, where Michael Jordan was from. They might schedule it uh, in other places. But I remember them going to New York City when Kenny Smith was a senior. And I think they played Madison Square Garden. I want to say they played St. John's, but I can't remember for sure. But he would try and schedule a game. It got a little bit more difficult when he got some international players. Yeah. But he would do his best to try and get a game somewhere where those seniors in particular would have kind of a, a coming home, and a, a homecoming. Um, and that was always – I always thought that was a, a neat deal that he would give that option. And I thought about that when we were going to Green Bay. Like this was kind of a, a little bit of a gift to, to J.J. in some sense, maybe, maybe unintended, but it ended up kind of being that way. And, I mean, obviously for rookie Max Sharping it was that way too. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's – you know, I think people look at J.J. In, in the state of Wisconsin. You know, he left to go to Central Michigan, but then he came back home, if you will, to Wisconsin and then became a star at the University of Wisconsin. And – Unlike Texas, in the state of Wisconsin, it is the University of Wisconsin. It's the Bucks, Brewers, Badgers, and the Packers. Yeah, and th- there are no. There's not a Cowboys Texans battle. There's not a Mavs Spurs Rockets right. battle. It is you grew up in Wisconsin. Those are your teams. Like you live, eat, breathe those teams. And to see a guy like that grow up in that area, then go to the University of Wisconsin, and then come back to the state of Wisconsin as successful as he is. The Wisconsin people are very, very proud of him, and, and and they should be because he is he is what is great about this this league amongst many things in this building. He is one of the he is one of the reasons why this organization I think is held in high regard because of what he's done in the community, what he does on the field, how he handles himself, um, the role model that he's become. I mean, he's. He's he's one of Wisconsin's favorite sons yeah. and doesn't play his professional ball there, but because he grew up there and played his ball at Wisconsin, I think he'll always remember it as such. You know what I'm going to do? You bring up that Dean Smith rewarding his elders. I think I'm going to go be a college basketball coach, and here's what I'm going to do. Every single recruiting class, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure there's a basketball player from Hawaii. Yeah. Class. I don't care if he's a walk-on, <laughs> but I'm going to make Hawaii sure every single year we got to go back to Hawaii to yeah. reward this this elder uh, on the team because yeah, I, like, I like Hawaii and I want to go back. John, ugly, 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 capital U, Ooh. capital G, capital L, capital Y Ooh. on Saturday evening in yeah. Arlington. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Nobody's disputing that. Organizationally, everyone acknowledges that. It was ugly. Now, don't get used to that because many, many things were at play. I'm going to give you just one reason you should not worry and get used to that. And that first reason and that only reason is Number four played, but a series. Yeah, three okay? plays. He played three plays. The Texans have never been blown out in any game that he started, ever. Correct. It was ugly in the playoff game, but it was still... There were opportunities. There were opportunities, and it was it was within reach as far as coming back. 
you're never going to see or you've never seen anything like we saw the other night when Deshaun Watson started. So don't get too caught up in that because he's going to pull you back in. He's going to make it a little closer. Right. And you just got to remember what happened on the second play offensively because the Texans' defense had forced a three and out to start the game. Yeah. Forced a punt. And then the second play from scrimmage, one of the most beloved members of yeah. this team, Lamar Miller, goes down with a knee injury on the second play. And that affects the entire team. A, that's your guy, that's your your, your kind of your brother. You're, you're worried about his health. B, you know what he means to this team on the field. Yeah. And it just kind of – it has to have, have sapped them mentally to a degree, and I think we just didn't see – uh, their true performance. So don't get too concerned about what we saw. Now, it was ugly. Nobody's denying that. But it's not going to be like that very often this year, if at all. Yeah, and J.J. and Whitney played what? They played that first three and out, yeah. and they played the next probably five, six plays, and that was it. And you know, they gave up a touchdown to, to Michael Gallup, but that was on a short field. And, you know, Look, there are, there, there are things to be concerned about, but I think the things you remember, like you said, you got number four still. You got 99 healthy, and he looked very, very good. I thought, and, I, and I've said this throughout training camp, I think one of the top three players in all of this entire training camp has been Whitney Merciless. I love the sound and of And he was really, really good the other night. He got pressure, I think, almost every time he rushed the quarterback. So those, to me, are really good signs. I thought the coverage was good. With the first group, I mean, the throw that Dak makes to Michael Gallup is a is a seed. I mean, it was a tremendous throw. I don't know how he got it there. I mean, Roby is right there on Gallup, and all of a sudden Gallup's like, whoa. I mean, it was like it got on him so fast. I, I don't know how it got there, but they, I thought the defense played pretty well from, from that perspective. The special teams are not going to play like that. Yeah. The special teams will not play like that. They will not bust, a, they will not bust an assignment on a punt. They, you know, they had that one moment last year against Tennessee early on, and then after that, they were just buttoned up for the rest yeah. of the year. And that, that to me is more indicative of what they'll do as opposed to the other night. So yeah, maybe you're getting it out of the way in preseason week three as well, opposed to regular season week two like right, last year. Right. And I just I, the feel that I kind of had was after Lamar got hurt, it was like let's let's just get out of here. <laughs> And maybe that was just me, but I kind of felt it. Yeah. Like, hey, let's just get out of here and keep everybody else healthy. I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, I think that permeated. Yeah, that I was stung. I mean, it took me a quarter just to kind of like shake, like, oh my god, I can't believe this. You know, so you you, you deal with it. You deal with it when you have a little bit of time. You move on, and now you got a week and a half to get ready for the Saints. You're not going to see a lot of the starters. You're going to see none of those, none of the starters against right. the uh, LA Rams. And the Rams have not played any of their starters all preseason. Yeah. So you're going to get yourself ready to go. And and, and Ob was asked a question on what's today Tuesday uh, Monday about relative health, and, and he said, "Well, yeah, outside of Lamar Miller, I mean that's." <laughs> That's a huge caveat that you have to make. And now it's three years in a row where you've lost Watson, Fuller, and Miller to an ACL tear. Three straight years, one of them each year. So hopefully that's it. I hate that it happened, but you got to move on. you got to pull up your big boy pants and get ready for New Orleans on Monday night. But there are re- – you know, special teams are going to be way better. 99 and 59 are playing at, a, at really as, a, as high a clip as they've been in a long time. And, and you got number four in their center. And those are really, those are three really good reasons for optimism.
So how about tomorrow night? Thursday night, kicking off against the Rams at 7 o'clock. Mark and I will be in the booth. I get a chance to go up uh, week four of the preseason. I get to go up in the booth with Mark, and I always look forward to that. And then Deep Cedar will be on the sidelines. So what are we looking what are we looking forward to? What's the optimistic feeling we want to have coming out of this? So let, let's start with health. Obviously, last week was a tough one because Lamar was lost for the year. Zach Fulton banged up. Hopefully, we'll be able to get Zach back. Those are the two big ones. Other guys, I think, banged up at some point, but not to a point where they were injured, just you know, traditional and regular soreness that goes with playing a game. So you want to come out of here as healthy as you possibly can be heading into September 9th. As I, Mark and I talked about it earlier, your starters, your top-level guys, those guys are getting from the 24th of August, which was last Saturday, all the way to September 9th. So you've got some time to get as healthy as you possibly can, but you don't want to get in a situation that somebody you're going to rely on on the 46-man game day roster on September 9th gets dinged up against the Rams. So you want to come out of there healthy. The the other, I would think, is can you find a gem in the uh, – can you find a gem out there on Thursday evening? And what I mean by that is, is there a guy that just flashes on Thursday that's had a good camp, had a good training camp, but been consistent, but then on Thursday starts making plays? And again – it's not going to be against keep to lead Marcus Peters, Aaron Donald. But if they can make some plays where you go, wait a second, you know what? This guy's had a good training camp. And now he's made some plays. Man, this wasn't a guy we were thinking about putting on the 53-man roster. Or, you know, maybe he was just on the outside looking in. But, boy, this really kind of puts him over the top. And, look, the performance of a player on Thursday isn't going to be enough. A guy can't be a complete dud for three weeks and then – all of a sudden turn into uh, league MVP in the fourth week of the preseason and then expect to make the team. That That's not going to happen. But if a guy has been good in training camp and been solid and consistent and then makes a few more plays, step back and go, wait a second now. Maybe we need to rethink this. Mark talked about it. Sierra Wood was a perfect example of that in 2013. Ran for over 100 yards. I don't think Sierra Wood was – on the verge of making a team in 2013, but that game really put him over the top. He made the 53-man roster. That can't happen. Can a guy win a job? I remember Victor Cruz for the Giants many years ago in week four. I think it was against the Jets maybe. Maybe maybe that was earlier, but Victor Cruz had a huge game. And I don't know if it was that year, but I think it was the next year where he just blew up as one of the better slot receivers, caught everything thrown his way. So you can earn a job in this game but it has to be combined with what you've done through three, three and a half weeks of training camp or even longer. I don't you know how long it's been. But if you can put all that together. So who is that gem? Who's that diamond in the rough on Thursday that maybe you didn't think could do it, but all of a sudden turns one in on Thursday and you go, man, we need to really think about this. Who's that going to be? So those are the two things I'll be looking for tomorrow night. Pre, pre-game starts at 4 o'clock with Rick Kamla and Seth Payne. Then we'll have the game, Mark, myself, and DP Sidhu. And then after the game, you have post-game led by Sean Pendergast, all right here on Sports Radio 610. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.